0: One, two, three, go. Feminist. Mormon. Housewives. Feminist. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Feminist Mormon Housewives Housewives Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay, and we are bringing you another episode in the year of polygamy. Are you sick of these yet? Because we have an entire year to go. We are just getting started. If you are just tuning in, you need to start at the very beginning, episode one. Of course, we are getting up there in the 20s now, and we like to go in chronological order. So go ahead and start at episode one with Fanny Alger. Tonight, we're still talking about Joseph Smith's plural wives because... There are many women to talk about. And this is going to be another controversial episode, a very famous group of women that we're talking about, the Lawrence sisters, and they would be famous because their legacy and their marriage would, I guess we could use the word plague the church for some time to come because of some of the things that happened in their youth. So we're going to go ahead and get into it. We're going to lump these sisters in together because there's not a lot that we know about them. There's actually very little information about their lives except how they relate to this scandal that I'm going to be talking about. They are involved in a huge turning point in early Mormon history uh, known as the destruction of the Nauvoo Expositor. And their, their names are going to forever be tied to this history. This is an important part of Mormon history. Joseph Smith would be accused of taking them into his confidence at a really young age and taking over and mismanaging their estate. And because some Mormon scholars claim that the historical records regarding the estate are problematic, I would suggest that you read Fair's take on it. They claim that a lot of this information comes from a bitter apostate, William Law, 40 years after the fact. So let's get into their lives. Maria Lawrence was born on December 18th, 1823 to Edward and Margaret Lawrence in Pickering Township, Ontario, Canada. Two and a half years later, on May 13th, 1826, her sister Sarah was born again in Pickering. So they were just a couple years apart. Maria was the older sister and Sarah was the younger sister. The girls were 13 and 11 when they met Joseph Smith for the first time when he was visiting Canada in August of 1837. 1837... Uh, is right before Joseph starts acquiring a lot of wives, but he had already had his brush with Fanny Alger by this point. And then in just a couple of years, he would meet up with the other women like Louisa Beeman and, and things like that. But they were 13 and 11 at the time when he first met them in Canada. The Lawrence family converted to the Mormon church and soon journeyed to Illinois to gather with the saints. They would arrive in Illinois in about 1840. Sarah and Maria's father, Edward, passed away soon after their arrival. And uh, at this time, when he passed away, the girls were now 17 and 14. He left his family a considerable estate when he died. And according to Todd Compton, quote, under his will, the wife of the deceased received a third of the inheritance and the rest of the money would be split among the heirs. But a legal guardian was required for the family. Little is known about this next piece of controversial history, but through unknown circumstances, we know that Joseph Smith was appointed the legal guardian to the minor heirs of Edward Lawrence, and he became the trustee for them of their estate. So the mother was still living, and somehow at this point, Joseph Smith becomes the heir of their estate or the trustee, the legal guardian to these children. Meanwhile, Edward's widow, Margaret, remarried Josiah Butterfield. Together, the two of them tried to acquire the rights to Edward's estate, back from Joseph Smith, but were unsuccessful. This caused tension be- between Josiah and Joseph, and the history of the church records this passage from Joseph, quote, Josiah Butterfield came to my house and insulted me so outrageously that I kicked him out of the house, across the yard, and into the street, end quote. And very little is known about their time, their lives at this time. But Emma and Maria, 16 and 18, began living in the Joseph Smith's home. Perhaps as hired help, like Emily and Eliza Partridge, who were living at the Smith residence at the time. In the spring of 1843, Joseph Smith would marry these sisters. Now, we talked about Emma giving consent to the Partridge sisters. This is another couple of sisters that Emma reportedly knew about. She gave her permission for them to marry as well. A friend of Maria's in Nauvoo would write, quote, "Maria suffered her doubts, her fears, her uncertainty as to whether she was acting right or wrong, for she had a conscience and wanted to be right." And she also remembers Maria saying, quote, "If there is any truth in Mormonism, should she should be saved, for my yoke has not been easy nor my burden light." End quote. In the summer of 1842, tension was building and rumors were swirling in Nauvoo regarding Joseph Smith's polygamy. Joseph published a statement in his own defense, quote, We are charged with advocating a plurality of wives. Now this is as false as the many other ridiculous charges which are brought against us. No sect has a great reverence for the laws of matrimony. We practice what we preach, end quote. And if you haven't caught our episode on the whole happenings in Nauvoo, I would go to the Nauvoo episode. It kind of talks about all of these legal issues that were going on at the time. So William Law, he's an important person in early Mormon history. He was also a trusted friend of Joseph Smith for the first presidency. He began to start questioning Joseph Smith. It is said that William vehemently disagreed with Joseph's secret polygamy. And when he spoke up about it, he was removed from his post as apostle. William, quote, with his arms around the neck of the prophet and tears streaming down his face, Pleaded with him to withdraw the doctrine of plural marriage. End quote. When he heard of the Lawrence girls and knew that their estate was involved in the marriages, it became too much for William Law. Rumors had also circulated that Smith had made several proposals to William Law's wife Jane, under the premise that Jane would enter a polyan- polyandrous marriage with Joseph Smith. Law's extreme refusal to comply eventually led to his excommunication from the church. And he would become a famous apostate in those times. Angered by his excommunication and aware that Joseph Smith had secretly married both Maria and her sister Sarah and was serving as the executor of their $8,000 estate, William filed a lawsuit against Joseph for living, quote, in an open state of adultery with Maria Lawrence. And there's also some rumors um, that you can read about that at one time, Joseph and Emma had this conversation where Emma said, if you want to uh, make it equal, why don't I marry someone? And Joseph offered William Law as that someone. And, of course, these are rumors, and there's not a lot of evidence to back that up. There's also an interesting tidbit. If you if you know anything about Mark Hoffman, who was uh, the 20th century forger that forged a bunch of Mormon documents and sold them to the church, um, he <laughs> he has... He has an 18, he forged an 1844 letter to Maria and Sarah Lawrence uh which he created in Logan, Utah e- before his famous Anton script um and it drew attention to Joseph Smith's controversial or er- early polygamous marriage to the sisters and uh you can look it up online there's it's a fake it's a fake letter but that was one of Mark Hoffman's forgeries which is kind of interesting and cool and I have a link to that on the site as well So William Law, let's go back to the story. William Law is really upset with Joseph Smith. He's spoken out about it. He's spoken out about some other issues. He's excommunicated. He decides to go public with what he knows. Uh, The following Sunday, Joseph commented on William's lawsuit in his sermon, quote, by saying, quote, another indictment has got again up against me. What a thing it is for a man to be accused of committing adultery and having seven wives when I can only find one, End quote. And of course, we know that Joseph would go on to marry at least 34 women, and at this point he was married to quite a bit as well. This is where we get the Nauvoo Expositor, famous piece of Mormon history, and you can go read this controversial issue of the Nauvoo Expositor online. They're extremely important to Mormon history, and I and I would urge everyone to go read a copy of the Nauvoo Expositor, because they end up ultimately bringing Joseph Smith to Carthage Jail. So this is all incredibly important history. On June eighth of eighteen forty four, William Law and his followers published the Nauvoo Expositor. It's a newspaper which was independent from Joseph's paper and outlined. Uh, All of these sort of accusations against Joseph Smith, including what was then the secret practice of plural marriage. Remember, we just have Joseph denying it several times openly and publicly, and law is going to expose him. Within days, Joseph declares the newspaper a public nuisance and ordered the city marshal to destroy the printing press and burn all the expositors. The the reaction to the newspaper was not what William Law expected. And after two days of consultation, the printing press was ordered destroyed by the Navajo City Council. And it became destroyed later that day. And there's this whole controversy over that. Was it illegal? Was what they did wrong? Did Joseph order it? What happened with that? Joseph would be arrested following the destruction of the Navajo Expositor because it was illegal to go in and just ransack some business and set it on fire. And destroy it, um, and so Joseph was jailed in nearby Carthage, relating to these charges, and he was killed on June twenty seventh, eighteen forty four, after a little bit more than a year of marriage to Sarah and Maria Lawrence. Of course, they become widows along with a lot of other young ladies, um, but their legacy with Joseph, their drama, would not end their life would become further frustrated because their estate was tied up with Joseph and, and Emma Smith. Their actual estate and property were tied up with Joseph, who was now dead. And they would have trouble for years to come to unsuccessfully recover the money that they inherited. Sarah would be sealed to Heber C. Kimball and Maria to Brigham Young. Todd Compton writes, quote, The rest of Maria's life is told by Benjamin Johnson. In an 1897 letter to the Desert News, he denied that Maria had ever married Young, then wrote, quote, After the Prophet's death, she became the wife of Colonel A.W. Babbitt, by whom she had only one child and died in Nauvoo in 1847. Johnson was Babbitt's brother-in-law, so was probably well informed on the marriage to Babbitt. Maria did not go west with the body of the saints because Babbitt was given an assignment to stay in Nauvoo where he remained until 1848, Maria was 22 when she passed away and was said to have the last years of her life marred by sadness. Mary Norman, Samuel Smith's daughter, wrote, she died of consumption, or one might more truthfully put it, of a broken heart. She said to my Aunt Lucy one time that if there is any Truth in Mormonism that she would be safe for she said, "My yoke has not been easy, nor my burden light, as to what the cause of Maria's deep sorrow, I do not exactly know. she suffered her doubts hereas her uncertainty as to whether she was acting right or wrong, for she had a conscience and wanted to be right, all those things told on a sensitive nature. End quote. As for Sarah, she would continue west with the Saints. Helen Mar Whitney, another wife of Joseph Smith, recorded that Sarah attended some of the female blessing meetings at winter quarters. And a year later, we do know that Sarah went back to Nauvoo. Sarah came to Utah finally in 1850 and was very unhappy with her marriage to Heber Kimball. Remember that Heber was known for having so many wives he couldn't adequately provide for them all. Martha Haywood records that Sarah was seriously considering divorce by January 19, 1851, quote, had a few words with Sarah. She still seems inclined to disconnect herself with Brother K. I I advised her to behave to Brother K as a wife, and then she would realize a very different feeling, end quote. Sarah would ask for a divorce and receive it on June 18, 1851. She, at the, by this point, had four children and took them and tried to provide for them by sewing dresses for a living, In 1853, she married a divorced man, Joseph Mount, who apparently had made a small fortune in the California gold fields. Sarah was said to have a very troubled relationship with Joseph's daughter, Mary, and was often portrayed as an evil stepmother. Mary wrote of her father, quote, he used to tell me when she was more than usually ill-humored that I must not feel grieved, but do the best I could. She spared no opportunity of wounding my feelings, either in public or private, and I sometimes felt that my position was not enviable. End quote. That's what her daughter, her stepdaughter would say of Sarah. In 1854, the family moved to Napa, California, and this caused great tension between Mary and her father. Todd Compton writes quote, "Mary grieved that her beloved father was leaving her and tried anxiously to arrange a private interview with him as his day of departure approached though Sarah managed to monopolize her and ward her off monopolize him and ward her off the evening before he left when he went out to feed his horses mary followed and finally found a chance to be alone with him but the designing sarah was soon there to limit even this precious moment we had not talked long before sarah came out" He bade her to go in about her business, but she did not do so, and our conversation, thus interrupted, was not resumed. So Sarah becomes this archetypal evil stepmother in Mary's eyes, according to Compton. When this parting with her father took place, Mary was crushed. Many years have passed since then, and it's hard to remember all that passed in this sorrowful parting. I went away to hide my tears and give vent to my grief alone. When I, came, when I came back, they were gone. I often wondered if ever a young heart was tried like mine, end quote. So you can tell that whatever the situation was happening there, Sarah and her stepdaughter Mary did not get along. Many of the Mormons back in Utah claim that the move to Utah and their acquiring wealth led to pride that made Sarah and Joseph abandon Mormonism. The couple had a large property in California where they had a vineyard. Joseph Mount began to drink heavily, and Sarah would care for him and his health would be compromised by increasing alcoholism. The couple would travel to Hawaii several times for his health. Sarah event- eventually, she died of cancer womb in San Francisco on November 28, 1872, at the age of 46. Near the end of her life, Sarah apparently denied any connection with Joseph Smith in Heber Kimball, and polygamy. Helen Mar Whitney wrote, quote, She became so wicked that when paying her last visit to Salt Lake, she denied emphatically ever being connected to Joseph or to my father and was very insulting to those who dared to dispute her word. She abused her brother Henry's second wife most shamefully when meeting her in his store, laying to her the most humiliating and abusive accusations, which proved to be her most vicious and heartless uh, woman. Her brother Henry Lawrence was so annoyed by her unprincipled course that he was among the most thankful when she left here and returned to California, where she soon died, quote. So as this would go on, this estate would cause a lot of controversy. This money... Um, The Navu Expositor. It would plague the saints for a long time. The story is still controversial. I would, I would encourage you to go ahead and look up the Navu Expositor. There's some great, uh, history done on this. There's some great research. There's also a podcast or two on Mormon expression, and you can listen to those, and maybe I'll link to those about the Navu Expositor. Anyway, um, I would, recommend all of that because it's an important critical part of mormon history so thanks for listening to to the lawrence sisters and uh if you feel so inclined drop us a donation at Feminist and we'll catch you next week